the future of photography. And hi, this is Jeremiah Chechik, and hi, Adrian. Uh, we are the future of photography. At least we think we are. <laughs> very good. I like that very much. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Good. You know, how are you doing from the future? From the future. Um, <laughs> uh, today uh, is my uh, second uh, podcast, joining um, Adrian and Chris is still traveling, so good travels to you, Chris, wherever you are. And uh, I thought I would uh, start with the theme of the law of unintended consequences. Okay, That's, that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. As long as it's not, not about sexting, it's not about it's, sexting, is it? <laughs> uh, no, it's really about. What is the what are the the positives and negatives of hardware evolution and software evolution as it relates to photography and certainly to the future of photography and to our culture writ large? Oh, okay. So well, that that hits all the buttons for this show, doesn't it? If you're if you're going to do the cultural thing and the technology thing and the creative thing, that's that's pretty much all our three favorite topics all in one go. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can maybe fail miserably at exploring it but i'll give it a go i'll give it a go um you know p part of this comes from uh my obsession uh with with gear and and the evolution of gear and what cameras uh what it means to record what we consider reality um, you know, we take a photograph, we think we are photographing something or we are photographing a representation of something we think is real. We use a lens, we use film or, or, uh, or digital uh, medium to record it and we output it either on screens or in print. And we've gotten used to photography as a culture as something that we believe in. When we look at a photograph, we think, oh, that's that's real. We all know if we are in the creative zone as photographers that it isn't exactly real because, A, we have a frame around it. B, it is uh, our choice um, to kind of photograph a specific moment or wait for a certain light or adjust the sky. Um, so, but still as a culture, would you say that, that, that we look at a photograph, and we go, oh, that, that lake exists, that moment in time on the street exists, whether it's an abstracted black and white or color. We, I, we I think I would still that, say that actually. So, I mean, as much as we talk about, uh, you know, all of these engines that can generate faces and, and landscapes and, and things like that. And, you know, be it, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever, whatever, whoever it is that's making those, whether it's, you know, Unreal Engine or whether it's NVIDIA or, or whoever it is that, you know, some of these things that we do tend to track and, and, and keep reporting on. I, I still... Uh, I, I would still my first instinct would my gut my gut instinct would still be that a, a photograph of something is, is a real thing right be it a mountain or a tree or a person yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely 
wouldn't want to trust it as such. I'm probably, to be fair, I'm not a very trusting person, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, 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 and I, so perhaps I wouldn't want to rely upon it for anything meaningful or important. But definitely my first instinct would be, still be that it's real. Yeah, your knee-jerk reaction in looking at a photograph is it's not there to hoodwink you. It's not there uh, to do anything other than be a representation of what it purports to show. That, Does that, that make us horribly naive in this world? <laughs> I, I believe that uh, if it doesn't now, it will soon. Yeah, and that is absolutely. Yes. That's a part of this conversation. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. Because... When we and this comes from, I don't know, 100, 150 years of uh, photographic tradition um, that we know, understand and feel that we look at a photograph and we then immediately will have a what I'd consider a positive reaction to it, not about the image but about its sense of capturing reality. And we're having a much harder time adjusting what that may be when we're informed that these images are not real. And I'll, I'll go back and kind of uh, swim a bit around this kind of little arena. You know, we're talking about a camera design you know, when you talk about a camera, you basically say, you know, it's a capture mechanism. It has, it has uh, um, a lens made out of glass, fluorite, whatever, um, and that allows light in and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But new cameras, as they begin to be invented or developed, they don't necessarily have to be capturing light, they could be capturing heat, they could be capturing uh, polygons, they could be capturing infrared, something that we know. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, you can just go on and on with what a capture mechanism is when you point it at our realities. So the development of these technologies is moving to uh, areas in which the photographer uh, may be able to step into the environment that he or she has captured and then make assessments about what is important to recapture, reframe, represent, relight, Reskin, etc. Well, relighting and reskinning sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, recently, uh, the camera uh, by what was that uh, company? Insta three sixty has announced a virtual camera, eleven K, uh, three hundred sixty degrees. So you can just plant this, photograph an environment, uh, and then move through it and capture images within it. Okay. You've just said an awful lot there, just in like what half a sentence. So, so uh, let's unpick that a little bit. Um, Insta360. Okay. We know about them. They make 360 yeah. degree cameras. I'm pretty sure right. we've talked about their, their consumer grade products. Uh, 
on on the podcast before um and uh but but you but after you said insta insta 360 you said 11k as in as in uh, as in 11 as opposed to 4k (laughs) yes 11k virtual reality it is built for what they say is cinematic vr and it's called a titan and it is a significant move up from traditional vr cameras um and I think that when this comes to market and when it is reduced in price, you know, to uh, consumer grade, that taking a picture is going to be a different experience than the experience we now know as kind of straight up capture, whether it's with our iPhones or our Canons or our Leicas or our Lumixes or whatever. We'll just kind of plant this and be able to reconstruct a reality that we can relight, uh, that we can adjust everything in it. Now, I'm not sure how it would work with people if they're moving, but this is built for cinematic VR. So the chances of being able to take a, I'm not even going to say it's an image, but it's a kind of visual experience in, you know, three dimensions and virtual 360 that we will be able to move around in and recapture so um, this is so this this is interesting. So you sent me a link to the the, the product page on, on their website. So I guess we can put that in the show notes. But um, this so um, uh, it's it. I'm looking at something that looks like a, a Star Wars droid, right? <laughs> and oddly, it looks like the picture of the product is in fact rendered rather than an actual photograph. But I'll come back to that in a minute. <laughs> it's, it's like, so, so, case in point. Case in point. Case in point. But it also makes it also challenges what I said up up front. Where I said, well, I would assume it's real. Actually, product photography is maybe maybe. Uh, a category where I might not be so quick to assume that it's a photograph of something real because this clearly looks like a render um, and they've positioned it so that it looks like a face as well because this thing has eight cameras built into or eight capture devices let's say eight micro four thirds sensors so that's quite a lot of pixels and they're arranged in a circle um, I guess so so how how it is that they achieve uh how, how it is oh no i think maybe i do know how it is that they achieve a 300 a, a spherical view uh i well, guess sure each of these lenses you know is probably maybe not 180 but maybe 160 yeah. and i think at the very top and bottom it's it's uh fuzzy but again it, you know just photoshop will fill in those gaps oh yeah okay yeah so in, in, yeah so so what we've got here is is a, a a cinema grade if that if that's a relevant term 360 degree spherical camera setup um yeah that, that's just been launched um clearly out of most people's price range <laughs> yeah, apparently. um oh uh but uh wow are they saying it's gonna do 10-bit video 10-bit color wow yeah. Uh, you know, when we're talking about futuristic cameras, I mean, you know, camera innovations are they're not only reshaping photographic capabilities, but I think they're reshaping our relationship 
with images themselves, which kind of leads me to another kind of uh, deeper, perhaps darker way of, of, of kind of understanding both the creative um, potential with these things, which is dazzling. I mean, I, uh, as you know, have been uh, learning Unreal Engine because a lot of my, my work, my personal work, uh, takes place in virtual worlds. Uh, and I try to create the feeling of, in many ways, street photography of the 70s, uh, that, that kind of feel. So it's kind of decreasing resolution, decreasing kind of the the, the sharpness that is possible with polygonal um, rendering. Yeah, uh, not, you know, uh, something for another day. But but in terms of building environments and even creating uh, virtual people that start to push. Uh, against the what we call the uncanny valley, which um, you know one could describe as that that uh, uh, the feeling you have when something is not quite human. Yes, yeah, we have discussed that a little bit before yeah. on on the podcast, actually, and and yeah, that bit where 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 something is is human enough. Yeah, it, it, a rendered character is human enough to make you double take, but then you then you start to get slightly an un, un, uncomfortable feeling about it because it's it's, yeah. it's it's too good, but not quite. But at the same time, not quite good enough. <laughs> and it's your instinct that that is kind of sparking your brain to say something is missing here, but you don't know what it is. In that, that that's the disquiet feeling. One yes. Would in that in that uncanny valley but i i do believe that with these innovations both on the kind of capture end with polygons like if you just had a laser shooting polygons out of a out of a camera that you you know snapped and that was able to capture you know a trillion polygons and rebuild that um and even do that on faces that soon we are going to approach a, a an uncanny valley that is very narrow, perhaps so narrow that we won't even notice it, which, again, for gaming and, you know, creating, whether it's um, what we'll call, you know, new photography, digital photography, digital art, it's spectacular. I It can't come fast enough for me. Wow, okay. On the yeah. other hand, on the other hand. Oh, go on. Yeah, okay. On the other hand. <laughs> when you can create those realities that are so pitch perfect, then you start to move culturally into the realm of the deep fakes, uh, false news, and you can put words in people's mouths. You can create a video of people, never mind a photograph, that puts them in very compromising situations, makes them say what they would never say. And with the, you know, the the wind in those sails of social media, you then are moving away from the trust in photography uh, that we spoke about earlier 
and start to question everything. So culturally, it becomes a very interesting, but very dark and scary place, as well as a very exciting, creative place. Yeah, no, that, it is interesting, isn't it? So you've got here... A, a, a camera i mean at one point you've got you've got a, an amazing enabling technology and, and i've played you know some years ago now actually with, with um uh, a, a rico theta camera you know a, a consumer yeah. grade 360 spherical camera one of the earlier models not not the original one but one of the earlier ones uh, and you know whilst it was great fun um there, there was certainly you, you certainly weren't in it uh, under any illusion of whether it was not it was real <laughs> right? Right. You know, at, at, at no point anything that you 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 could put that and yeah okay at that point you're, you're taking you've got a consumer grade camera you, you're putting the 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 film on your phone uh and then you're looking at it through uh some kind of google cardboard headset you know a vr headset you know uh, that, that you paid a very small amount of money for i can't remember how much they were in this country about 15 quid or something like that it, or less maybe um so yeah yeah i'm not expecting to get that so what you're what you're saying and is so what happens when you do this with 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 11 in 11k i mean you know you go to a you go to a movie theater now and i I went we went to, to, to the movies the other day and uh the the theatre which is a relatively new one um uh w- was proudly advertising the fact that it was using sony 4k projectors it's <laughs> a, a 4k projector on a screen at least 20 feet across <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds and, like home to me yeah oh well, well <laughs> fair enough <laughs> but the uh i don't have um any issue with that that was sufficient for me but again you know i'm, I'm looking at that on a 2d screen whilst that in a, in a, but how, how far you know a wrapper how far of a wraparound how realistic is 11k gonna be is is that sufficient because one of the things you know, say oh 4k in but you know 4k great but in a in a spherical image 4k is very very low resolution isn't it have you have you yeah, have, have you uh, uh, see any of the any of the output from this thing if you had a chance to experience no 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 no. i can only imagine because you know i've seen 8k is about it and and but i only use that as as uh as an example because 11k won't be the end of civilization civilization as we know it but i think when it gets up to like 50k or 100k because we then can ascribe you know very very scientifically what the maximum resolution of the human eye is. You know, there, there's a point at which when we listen to something, we can no longer hear anything beyond these particular wavelengths. Now that's, yeah. It, and, and certainly, you know, there are products that reveal what the eye can see, you know what I mean? Whether it's enhanced or, uh, you know, there's all manner of new imaging solutions that are kind of going beyond just a two or three D um, recreation of light bouncing off objects, as we were talking about. But when you when you look at a 360 11K, that still may be a little bit of a giveaway that we're not watching something hyper real. But when you get into significantly sharp areas, it it really does feel sharper than what we see. 
um i've i've experienced you know, I, that actually and do you know one of my pet hates this 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 will age me but me I, I don't know what you feel about this but i really get uncomfortable when i watch something that's shot at 60 fps right mm. i i just because yeah. that for me I, yeah. I don't know whether you'd call that uncanny valley or not i don't know if that because it's 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 uh it's a video of real stuff right but it makes me feel uncomfortable um i uh, maybe and maybe maybe my children who will grow up in a in a 60 fps world right? maybe that'll be their natural and maybe they'll what look at me watching my old 24 frame films <laughs> and they'll well, say I think peter jack didn't peter jackson try to do one of his uh his films outputted in 60 fps there was the, um it was a hobbit wasn't it yeah. Was it one of the Hobbit movies, uh, or was it, it 40, like forty-eight? It. Whatever it was, it was yeah. it was it was much higher than usual, um, um, and it got uh, a lot of bad press. Actually, I, I didn't see that one. Uh, so, Me neither. Um, people do not like it. But one of the one of the another one, which is uh, yeah, yeah, not quite the same type of example, but maybe a little bit similar, is the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan, mm. which I'm told was shot um, uh, with with uh essentially at the wrong shutter speed <laughs> well, was, i know a little bit about that because i know the cinematographer it, the the shutter was closed so it gives dirt and water droplets a sharpness that is more unusual we're used we're used to motion blur in movies so and, we, and in the movies they talk often about the shutter angle don't they uh which yeah. is yeah which i know is a is a throwback kind of term but you know, yeah uh, and what we experience in in as a, as a rule of thumb in, in you know consumer photography and vi- or video i should say is that if you set your shutter speed to uh twice the your frame rate uh, then that's going to be the way to get the, a, the the smoothest possible image for a given frame rate so uh you know let's say uh, a film shot at 24p fps you know a, a movie or whatever shot at that would would typically have a shutter speed in around a 48th or a 50th of a second and and i think the saving private ryan was was much more than twice the frame yes. rate wasn't it yeah it's quite closed down but here's the thing is it because we're just used to seeing a lot of motion blur because when we look at things, you know, with our eyes, there's motion blur. And, and whether it's, you know, the, the, the slowness of the light coming into our eyes, you know, reversing, going into the brain, you know what I mean? Reversing again and then, you know, going into a recognition of what it is we are experiencing. We're just used to motion blur. Um yeah. Whether we get used to seeing things sharp is something else. It would be an interesting experiment. Wouldn't uh, that have to, to be a genetic out? experiment? Because well, <laughs> sure, surely that's going. surely it's your monkey brain that's used to seeing like that, right? So and and yeah, lizard brain, uh, sure. or lizard brain, yeah, yeah, lizard lizard monkey, whichever you prefer. Um, uh, and and so to 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 attune a human to to seeing at sixty fps would require some quite genetic mani- manipulation. I would have thought. But imagine if we can scientifically figure out, which I'm sure they have, how the human eye sees motion and, you know, with corrected vision, how they process 
reality in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, I'm and sure. And yeah. create those exact conditions on a screen or a curved environment so that it just matches. So it really does look like, oh, we're looking out a window. How many times have you heard that, you know, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. TV store where all of the 6K TVs are on and HDR and people are going, oh, it's it's like looking out a window. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if that was kind of all encompassing in terms of image making, uh, then we start. So I, I'm not even saying that it has to be so sharp that it it's, you know, beyond the beyond, because that may have its own uncanny valley, as you were describing it. But if we can match that, which we must be able to be getting close to that, what then happens culturally to our relationship with the, you know, the spoken word, the the movie image, the news footage and all of that. I was just reading yesterday that a National Geographic photographer lost a prize because his software had automatically taken some cuts out of an elephant's ear. Oh, I saw that one. The the elephant or, or even it looked like yeah. they got the ears on the wrong side. <laughs> like but it, it, it didn't really rob like you weren't really looking at those things. You were looking at the at, at the elephant. Is it does that mean that uh, news or photojournalist uh, image would would need some certificate of <laughs> non screwed with? This image came right out of the, like some official way to do it where art, you go like, this is art. So you define it for what it is. But nefarious forces at work. I mean, look at the, you know, the recent uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi video, which, you know, sort of crude as it was, created, you know, a, a huge um, uh, kind of storm here in that, you know, by the time it was kind of defined as as fake, it had been seen by, you know, millions of people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, once, so, so what you say that you, uh, you're yeah, that this is interesting. I actually just just a quick uh, a quick mention, actually, for, for a listener um, who sent me an email on this sort of topic uh, a, a short while ago. Uh, so so hi to uh, John Freivold. Um, hopefully I've got the, uh, <laughs> the the pronunciation of that right. Thanks, John, for your email. John, um, John wrote and said uh, in episode 79, we joking jokingly mention uh, a certificate of reality. Um, uh, and um, uh, yeah uh, and he says you strike a chord of truth you may not even realize Um, because actually and he was he's referring to uh, I believe the legal system of the UK um, uh, where actually for for a very long time since almost since the introduction of film photography um, that the the legal system if you were going to use photography to document evidence you had to have a a, a, a secondary way of authenticating that mm-hmm. um, and so uh, th- this had come up because uh, I think um, it, it's yeah, yeah, yeah well I mean it, it comes up every now and again um, and uh, it, I think possibly it uh, is something that uh, is going to hit a tipping point of some sort. 
given the technology we have now. So, yes, yeah, so 100 years ago, how often were people really trying to fake photographs? I don't know. I don't know the answer well, to that. Were, I don't know the answer to that, but I bet it's a lot less than... But, Do you remember but, well, yeah, but yes, but but how many how many everyday people on the street had the ability to do that with a device they had in their pocket, though? Maybe one. <laughs> You're talking about George Eastman. <laughs> but but you know, like uh, the the writer Anais Nin, she had a saying which really does kind of create, I think, a very good underscore of how we respond to these things. He she said. We don't see things as they are. We see th- we see them as we are, and 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 uh-huh. so yeah. we we're, we're going to bring all of our prejudices, uh, our, our personal cultures, and how we view the world of politics, etc., and history, and we're going to look at an image and we're going to commit to that truth. Because we want to believe it. So I, yes, uh, I can very much uh, appreciate that as a point of view. I, I have to say, and, and I am uh, as guilty as everybody else of, of being that. No matter, though, no matter how I try. Um, the 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 only thing I would say against not against that no it it's it's almost the exception that proves the rule. Um, I have having spent now quite a few years trying to trying to actually see stuff when I'm making photographs. Um, mm. I find that I am far more attuned, for example, to the color of ambient light. Mm. Um, uh, I, I'm sure um, he, he wouldn't mind me saying this. Uh, I, I remember one time a few, a couple of years back, I went away for the, for the weekend somewhere. And for some reason, my, my father-in-law had occasion to visit our house, which I, I, I don't know, maybe he was looking after our kids. He might've been doing us a big favor at the time, <laughs> but all I recall is that I came home and I walked into my kitchen and I felt like I was standing in a sports stadium at night. He'd swapped all of my, um, we, we have like this, um, uh, ceiling mounted spotlights, not, not in the ceiling. They're on like, uh, yeah, they're, they're from yeah. a sort of central, central installation, but on arms. Right. And they were all lovely halogen lamps. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I came home and he'd switched all of these bul- or the bulbs in our kitchen for <laughs> led lamps. Oh, but, oh. but he had bought, um, some quite nasty cheap bulbs <laughs> off, I was off, off the, off the internet. So it was like walking into a sodium lit stadium, walking into my own <laughs> oh. kitchen. I was yeah, like, what I... the hell are you doing? So I took them out, put the halogen ones back in. But of course, the hal- these little halogen spot lamps, if you move them much, they, they often break. And so I ended up with not sufficient. And there's only about... I was only about eight bulbs in the kitchen, right? But I ended up with not sufficient to put the whole installation back. And then I had to go out and buy some expensive LEDs because I couldn't live with the sodium coloured ones. That <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I feel I like I've it. trained my eyes a little bit to, to, to see things. But you're right. I mean, I absolutely agree. You know, you, you do you know, habitually uh, see see things with, with with a bias, don't you? Where, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So, in, you know, in that way, are we getting to a point where in order to look at 
a video, whether it's on internet or broadcast or streaming through over the top, however we look at an internet video or however we experience a photograph, is knowing the origin of it just as important as, as, as understanding what it is it is saying? Mm. Interesting. Stew on that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I don't think I've got an answer to that. So we might we might no, we might be might do best to wrap up the show at that point and leave everybody I, I something to think about. Leave that to the listeners uh, to decide. Yeah, why 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 not? Why not? Yeah, this is yeah, always happy to expand the conversation. Yeah, that's uh yes. So, well, I tell you what, let's 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 wrap up because you, yeah, you, uh, I think uh, we've named or you've named this this show uh, the law of unintended consequences. I think, haven't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, where? Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a lot there. I don't think I can pin it down to to one unintended consequence. Actually, from from, from the conversation that we've had, yeah, we've 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 uh, we've explored no. that quite 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 roundly. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I think we could say that with the freedom to create also comes the freedom to destroy. So, you know, take your pick. Uh, Or as, you know, my father used to say, money makes good people better and bad people worse. Yep. So so it is with technology. (laughs) Okay. And on that note, I think we really should should wrap up the show because that's a nice way to summarize it all. Oof. Well, there we go, everybody. Uh, plenty to chew on, uh, plenty to think about this week. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. dot